Hello and welcome to the next class. I'm Rob Birdsell, your host, and joined as always by my co-host, Tom Burnford. Tom, good to see you. Hey, Rob. Excellent to see you, too. And as our guests who are watching this on YouTube see, we have a guest with us today, Melody Wittenbach. And Melody is joining us from a school, which is pretty cool. She is in the Library of Nativity Jesuit in Boston. Melody is the executive director of the Roach Center at Boston College. And in three seasons, I think I've known Melody longer than any guest. <laughs> we go back, I believe, I was trying to look, think back, Melody. I think we met when you were teaching at Nativity Jesuit before you became principal. Yeah. And we were both on the academic committee of the board. Yeah. It would have been maybe 2005. Like, I think it was earlier than that because I was in Cleveland then. So it, like 2001, One. maybe. That would have been my second year teaching. So <laughs> goes back over 20 years. So yeah. uh, right. and then we worked closely together when you were at the Nativity Miguel network and I was running mm -hmm. Christa Ray and uh, just chatted the other day with a mutual friend of ours, Greg Nileski, who's moved oh, down to yeah. the University of Portland. Yeah. Big and, move. Uh, yeah. Very exciting for Greg and uh, the, the work that he did with Nativity. And um, But tell us what you're doing now at Boston College. Yeah. Well, thanks for this invitation to be part of this wonderful podcast and great to reconnect with you always, um, Rob and Tom. Yeah. Uh, wonderful to see you again as well. Um, so I am at the Roche Center for Catholic Education at Boston College, and it's a wonderful center that is really committed to supporting and strengthening Catholic schools. Um, we really focus in on teacher and leadership formation. That's our primary area because we know that we need strong talent to really be um, what we can be for our Catholic schools, be excellent, be equitable. And so our focus um, focuses in on, you know, teacher leadership formation, professional development, and we also do some research. Uh, we have a variety of different programs. So what we really try to do is be responsive. We listen first to hear what the needs are of our leaders and teachers, and then really have programming to support them in ways. And so as some examples of things that we do, you know, the social emotional learning needs of our students is immense, especially in this COVID Absolutely. kind of post-COVID yep. world. And so we have a social emotional learning academy where we're working with 45 educators across 15 different schools in the area and really guiding them and understanding how do you implement practices, how do you help to create that social bond with students and families and help to address mental and emotional health issues. Um, and then back to your, um, you know, work at uh, Christa Ray, one of the areas that we know um, is also deeply needed is to develop the bench of leaders. And so we have a teacher leadership program and we've partnered with the Christa Ray network this past year. It's been a real gift to um, companies. That. That's, yeah. that's awesome. It's really been great to accompany individuals who are, you know, chairs or deans or individuals who are emerging leaders in the network and doing some project-based learning and helping them understand, you know, change management, you know, organizational leadership, um, how to communicate and have those difficult conversations and obviously drawing a lot of the work um, based in, around data and improvement. And so um, it's been great to have that type of uh, experience. So we have a variety of programs, work with leaders at all levels from superintendents to emerging leaders, um, teachers. We have our Urban Catholic Teacher Corps working in a number of Catholic schools in the Boston area. Um, and so it's been a gift to be able to have that uh, flexibility and creativity and bring that entrepreneurial spirit to help to strengthen the system here in Boston and, and then even nationally, um, too. So it's been wonderful. Um, just a few of our programs. That's tremendous. And Melody, I like the idea how you talk about responding to the needs, right? You find out what 
need there is in the field and then fill it and bring your expertise and research in the university in the Roche Center to meet those needs, which is critical because and, and I think that's going to be foundational to our discussion about synodality mm. um, as we move forward. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's an important piece. But Melody, one question I had just mm. for you is the last time we met was actually mm. in Marseille, France, uh, right. just in very early December. So mm -hmm. at the World Congress uh, put on by OIC, the International Office for Catholic Education. And um, I'm just curious as to what brought you to Marseille. It was great to see you there. It was. But you were one of the one of the few representatives from Catholic Higher Ed in the United States. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what brought you to Marseille? Yeah, well, it was a really interesting opportunity. So we have been working with a other a few other um, Catholic higher ed institutions um, in Ireland, in Australia, and England, and we launched a program called GRACE, Global Researchers Advancing Catholic Education. It's a wonderful acronym. And we collaborate in um, producing research and kind of examining and comparing you know, systems of education globally. And we really accompany one another in kind of this work of understanding how to best support Catholic schools in our different contexts. And so uh, there is an opportunity. We've been working with Philippe Richard, who was one of your wonderful individuals on the podcast. And Philippe had invited us to Marseille to present about grace. And I would say I really was expecting, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I thought, um, uh, you know, we would be presenting to maybe a group of 30 people or something in a side room. And we were talking to every individual, five, all 500 with their different headsets. And there was that live uh uh, you know, translation happening, which was wonderful to see. But I was really struck um, while I was there, um, just the perspective of the global church. It's an, a perspective that I think more people within the United States really need to have. So like you, I was a little bit surprised that there weren't more individuals um, from the states uh, attending this. And it happens every other year. There was a, a the convening was in New York last time and now uh, Marseille. But Really, it brings such perspective to step outside of one's boundaries and see this global church that we're part of um, and to see the growth of Catholic schools globally. Um, there's so much excitement happening in the global south, you know, 35 million individuals being educated in elementary schools, about 19 million in secondary schools across the globe. And we just have such a, a beautiful opportunity to learn um, and, and from others uh, in other countries and be able to also support them um, in ways that maybe we've learned on what works best and what doesn't work and share those stories. So that's kind of what brought me to Marseille. So Melody, I, I, you're absolutely right. I was really struck too, just by seeing the the diversity of Catholic school education leadership from around the world. And of course, particularly to see the folks from Africa who, who their problem is they, got, they don't have enough schools because mm -hmm. so many kids want uh, Catholic education. Uh, and then meeting the people from the Philippines, um, which was actually tremendous because the Philippines made their own national standards and benchmarks, uh, which Boston College was very involved with. Uh, so they were just they were just thrilled to reconnect with the United States. It was I think it was a truly a great mm -hmm. event. Uh, and it's worth looking on the OYEC website uh, to see some of the videos and pictures. So and it was great to see you there, Melody. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great. Absolutely. So thank you. And the other the other one, too, that I was that really struck me was even though um, like, we, you know, in Africa, we see this emergence. You, we had the Archbishop of Rabat there from Morocco mm -hmm. who, you know, there's one Catholic school in that area. And 
they have, I mean, predominantly Muslim community, but so many individuals are coming to his school to receive a Catholic education. And how do you manage that dynamic? So interesting. So the perspective globally is just really um, something that we can all kind of learn from and just broadens yes. our horizons and understanding. So it's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I had lunch with last week, Melody, a former uh, guest of ours, Father Jose Mesa, mm. who you probably know. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's so interesting talking to him. We get lunch every three or four months and uh, hearing his perspective for our guests that may not have listened to that episode. Father Mesa is the Secretary of Secondary Education for the Jesuits globally, and he is traveling the world, going to Jesuit schools all the time. And his stories are just amazing of mm -hmm. their different apostolates to different schools around the world. And uh, it is it is great, as you said, to get out of our little bubble here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have so much going on in Catholic education in the States, but it is great to get out and see the global Catholic mm -hmm. uh, school universe. Yeah. And who would think 500 years ago when St. Ignatius kind of was go forth and set the world on fire and educate, you know, like to see that global network expand in this. Absolutely. It's just so inspiring. So great to yeah. be connected. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so as Tom alluded to, uh, what we'd love to talk to you about today is um, synodality. Uh, for our listeners, Cardinal McElroy has written a powerful essay in America Magazine. We'll put it in our show notes. Um, and he's also been on the Jesuitical podcast. He's, he's writing more about synodality in the church because of the synod that we're in. But what Tom and I would love to, to hear your perspectives on is synodality in Catholic schools. So using Car Cardinal McElroy's sort of thesis on the big tent of our church uh, and the need to listen uh, to those that we may have different perspectives and, and to listen holistically. would love to hear, Melody, your thoughts on, on first Cardinal McElroy's essay, mm -hmm. but then more specifically, what Catholic schools can learn from this concept of synodality. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, it was a very um, powerful um, contribution to American Magazine, and this is the second contribution he um, spoke right. last year. Um, and I know there's another one that's going to be coming out in Commonweal, I believe, next year, kind of continuing this dialogue. And, you know, I think that that is indicative of this is this is a very um, this process takes time. And I think oftentimes in schools, we're so quick to try to find solutions and move on to the next kind of uh, bell or, we're, you know, next day, next school year. And one thing that we can really learn about this process is that we have to like quiet ourselves, listen to one another and really kind of accompany each other on this journey because it is in listening to one another's differences that we can really kind of come to an understanding of how we can really unite our, our church and our schools. And I would say when I think about this, um, you know, the different synods that happened across the country with so many of them happening in various parishes, oftentimes, you know, small groups of individuals, you know, eight to 10 gathering in a various parish um, and just having that dialogue. The fruits of that dialogue was very much clear that people may have different beliefs and different views on, you know, inclusion of the church, if it's LGBTQ, if it's women, it's, you know, various things. Um, that at the end, like people can still come together and we are still united as one church and we are still one body of Christ and we still come together to celebrate the Eucharist together. 
And so I think that um, we're seeing a divide in our Catholic schools. And I think it would be wise of us to look to our church leaders and listen to messages of um, individuals like, um, you know, Cardinal McElroy to say, like, how can we really pause and just take the time to be in dialogue with one another and try to understand where people are coming from? I think it'll make yep. us a stronger Catholic school system if we do that. But I, I completely agree, Melody, but one thing I was really struck by, and I think this came from the, the podcast he did, um, the Jesuitical one, was so far in the United States, the, the, the process, the synod process, and by the way, a prize to anyone who can say the synod on synodality three times quickly, um, but the process heard from and asked for input and got input from half a million people, right? So mm -hmm. I think you're dead right that the... Um, Catholic schools need to um, look to our leaders and leadership, but also I think a significant listening has been done and is underway. Mm -hmm. and, and so it flips around that leadership needs to listen to the reality of where we're at in the same way that you just told us the Roach Center responds to current needs. Mm -hmm. And I think Bishop McElroy, uh, Cardinal McElroy does a nice job of saying, that doesn't mean changing church teaching, but it does mean being aware of what the people who are the church are saying. And that's really difficult. But that that idea of half a million people, he yeah. said that is the largest mm -hmm. consultation done by anybody in the history of mm -hmm. the United States outside mm -hmm. of the government. And mm -hmm. I assume he's referring to a census. He says, you know, and uh, it's that's huge like mm -hmm. no company survey hits mm -hmm. you know half a, a million people and gets real input from them and these are people who came out to parishes yeah. uh and they were parents of schools this is a huge undertaking now the burden is upon leadership to do something right mm -hmm. and to listen and respond in an appropriate way mm -hmm. but uh I thought it was an amazing process. Yeah. yeah, we work with a lot of um, superintendents across the country. And I know individuals were definitely part of synods. I would say I didn't see a movement of archdiocesan offices or, you know, I don't know, large national organizations kind of convening for those synods yep. within our Catholic schools like we were part of. I know different um you know, charisms involved, like had their own, you know, that they then contributed. So um, that's where I think there's a real challenge for our Catholic school system to kind of bring voice in a way. And and this listening process is still going on. The synod doesn't end until yep. October 2024, right? Yep. Um, and so it'll be, it's still an opportunity to kind of be able to listen and especially to the voices of the youth that are, um, we're, are in our schools. One, one group that we work with here at um, Boston College very closely is the Church in the 21st Century. And they did an excellent job with the Student Voices Project where they captured you know, college student voices around you know, those three questions, right? What, what gives you hope? You know, what, what brings joy to the church? And you know, where do we need to change? And so thinking a little bit about bringing in the youth voices, because we know that's where many people feel disaffiliated. And how do we right. bring that into our Catholic, Catholic schools, our high schools, our grade schools in a way where, when does that shift happen? So. Wait, and just those three questions, Melody, I was imagining a school doing that mm -hmm. about their school. You know, what, what brings you hope at the school? What brings you joy by attending the school? And what, what changes should we make? Mm -hmm. And um, I just think that a lot of the schools that have worked with the past couple of years through the pandemic 
there's such polarization mm -hmm. that no matter what decision a school leader did, half the school constituents were upset with them. Mm -hmm. or, um, what if now as we're coming out of this, <clears throat> a school does that and they go to all their constituents, you know, their students, faculty, alumni, teachers, mm. administrators, and, um, and did a listening session and created this environment of vulnerability where you could speak honestly. I, I was on with some school leaders and afterwards one called me and said, I didn't feel comfortable because I was mm. clearly the most conservative mm -hmm. in that conversation. And I, and, mm -hmm. and I said, we, we got to, we got to allow that voice, mm -hmm. both voices. I mean, all voices. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I could see us go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that we've been so quick to cancel, right? It's the cancel culture, mm -hmm. quick to not listen, um, quick to, you know, politicize everything from what masks and, you know, what's be curriculums being taught, what books are being read and, you know, there's been a real shift um, within uh, education broadly with, and, and in a way that's good, right? Parents getting more engaged and having a voice of what they want um, for their children. But then I think too, the need to also listen to our educators, listen to the leaders, listen to students to try to find, you know, what what, what is that right course forward for us as a Catholic school system? And and, and recognizing that everybody, uh, as I think Cardinal McElroy is really trying to demonstrate is like this inclusivity that we all belong, we all have an opportunity. So let's um, dialogue meaningfully in a way that um, doesn't shut somebody down to make somebody not feel safe in a space where we really all should feel the most welcome in our Catholic schools, so. Mm. Absolutely. One, one tactical thing I, um... I heard someone talk about when they were talking about doing a synod in their school was they imagine they were planning small group discussions and they were going to have alumni, teachers, mm -hmm. students, parents, to, I mean, together in small groups. And they, the speaker was going to be holding a, a cross. Mm. Right. And when they were speaking, nobody could interrupt them. Yeah. A talking gonna, stick. <laughs> a talking stick. Yeah. But a cross in, in this mm -hmm. example, um, you know, they're, they're witnessing and holding Jesus and nobody could interrupt them. Mm. And they said, just that symbol brought mm. a piece to the conversation, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, and the symbolic, like to bring Christ into that conversation, like, phys right. like physically with a little, with a cross, right. um, you know, and that's that practice of, it's interesting that the restorative justice circles that are more and more common in our high schools or community time, like we're finding that spaces like that are so needed, but you have to very much set those norms in place and have a guideline for that protocol of how do we respond or how do we listen intently and what do we do with what we take in. And so I think um, this process, if anything, hopefully will make us stronger listeners and stronger to be able to um, respond in ways that hopefully allow for such differences and we'll see what, you know, it'll be interesting to see if any church teachings are adjusted from the synod and what will come of our church. And I think as a woman, especially, I, I have to hold on to great hope when I look at the many countless women, especially in Catholic schools that have given so very much, I mean, from the founding of our Catholic school system here in the States um, with religious women um, being at the foundation um, and seeing so many women today lead and sacrifice so much. Uh, and our, our schools are central to our church. And I think that we can't forget that they're such a great instrument for, you know, evangelization, for people to come to understand Christ and understand the, you know, the faith and the gospel and, and to bring Christ into the room. And so 
how do we really um, help to lift the voices of the women who today continue to be real central leaders and figures of this important ministry? It's really important. Absolutely. As a father of three daughters, it gives me hope too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's take a quick quick pause here uh, to hear a word from our sponsor. Catholic Virtual is the trusted online education partner of Catholic schools worldwide. We develop customized online learning solutions to meet the needs of our partner schools and their students. Visit our website at www.catholicvirtual.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. Time you want to carry on. Yeah, absolutely. you know, just one thing, though, Melody. I mean, you, you said at the beginning um, that this process of listening takes time, um, and it does. And the synod's been going on for a while, and they take time. And we do need to look long-term. And um, at the same time, I think Cardinal McElroy is also suggesting some sense of urgency. And he's talking about urgency to um, dismantle uh, the structures that exclude Mm -hmm. within the institutional church or or, or words to that effect. Mm -hmm. But he's talking about, you know, where it's clear that there is some structure that is designed to include, let's fix that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was... Um, that was was powerful. I've spent a lot of time working in Catholic schools where I wish I'd seen more collaboration between schools mm. in service of families, even just from a geography point of view, and our mm. schools competing for the enrollment of a family versus saying, how do we as a group support this family? And again, there's natural competition and some of that's healthy. Um, but, you know, I, I'm... I feel a sense of urgency with some of this and the tension between that urgency and taking time to do it right Mm -hmm. um, and to adjust. Um, And I'm trying to think how that how that comes to bear in in the the life of actual schools. Do you have have any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I think I think you're hitting on a few key concepts here that are important to note. So first, like if you don't um, if you don't change, you become irrelevant, right? And I think about mm. the work that you're doing with like, you know, virtual learning and the ways that you're expanding horizons and personalizing what children are able and capable of learning. Like we are living in a very different age than 10 years ago. And what's what what technology brings to bear for our children in classrooms is such a gift. And why not utilize that as a tool, right, to, to best meet students' needs? So we have to change how we do things or parents who now I think are kind of much more aware of like, hey, I have an opportunity to choose, right, where I want my children to go oftentimes, right? right? Especially with, you know, various states having um, tax credits and vouchers and, you know, ESAs. But I think we are seeing there being a recognition of like, wow, this is what my child's capable of and I'm going to push them to this. So I think that if we don't change, we're going to become irrelevant. I think the same can be said about parishes, right? When we look at people who are in the pews, well, where are the families? Well, where are, where are women sometimes? I look around and think to myself, this is very interesting. And if we really believe that representation matters, we need to have women on the altar preaching just as much as we need men, you know? And so I think that we've got to really think about how we allow for people to really share the gospel and express the gospel in a way. And I think women, given their perspective in life, can bring such um, a a message of joy in a way that I think maybe we are 
we're a little slow to allow, right? And so I hear you with like, this takes time and there's this great urgency, this um, urgency that we also need to be acting with, which I think is what he is getting at. And then the second point that you make is like this collaboration, right? Like we're a system of schools, but we operate so independently of one another, yet we right. could be exchanging so many best practices. We could be more efficient with our resources. We could be collaborating in ways that I think, um, I mean, it really takes strong leadership to um, kind of pull people together. And um, unfortunately, we don't see that happening enough. Instead, we're about this like survival. We're about this survival right. mode. And if we don't change how we can collaborate, then we're going to continue to be in that fixed mindset of that sort versus kind of seeing how can we thrive as a system of schools. And so I think by one thing that we do with our center is, you know, so much of our programming, it's really focused on this um, Boston College formation triangle. So we focus on kind of this intellectual rigor of whatever content that we're giving, you know, making sure that it's of, you know, top research, high pra best practices, but then also we look at the spiritual part. How do we help to form individuals to right. in their own faith life so that they can hopefully express that in their school communities? Um, and then lastly, community. Like we do this type of programming Wi widely and we invite multiple schools together and they that exchange that they have uh, in the classroom or in the spaces that we're in they they see that they're not the standalone school they're not the standalone teacher in a given classroom but they're part of something bigger here they're part of this catholic schools network or you know this whole system and you see this fruit come to to life in a way that i think if we continue to operate in those silos we're gonna not survive you know so we've got to really think about ways that we can exchange um those kind of uh practices yeah absolutely so in that triangle you mentioned spiritual formation of school leaders we uh ken Tiki, uh mm. formerly from seattle jesuit prep who i think you know he and i wrote an article on the need for spiritual direction formation for school leaders it's mm -hmm. such a hard job and we surveyed 40 Catholic school leaders, less than a third were receiving spiritual direction, mm -hmm. but 95% would like to have been. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yep. that's great that, that yeah. that's part, it's one of the things Kent and I've been researching and talking about is, um, yeah. it, it, you know, we, 50 years ago, the, all the Catholic school leaders are religious. Mm -hmm. Mostly, I mean, Larry Seward was one of the first mm -hmm. lay uh, principals at Marquette High School mm -hmm. uh, in 1984. So prior to that, they were all religious, receiving plenty of spiritual formation and direction. But then all of a sudden we throw lay people in mm -hmm. to be the heads of Catholic schools and we don't support them with mm -hmm. spiritual direction or formation. Or mm -hmm. So I, I commend BC yeah. for including that as one of the three pillars mm -hmm. in your leadership. But um, I, I, don't, I think every contract of a Catholic school mm -hmm. president should include a stipend for spiritual direction and a requirement Absolutely. that they receive spiritual direction. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, you know, we in January had over 100 Catholic educators on retreat and just taking nice. the time away. I mean, Christ steps away yeah. and goes into yeah. the desert to renew and kind of recharge. Goes up into the mountains. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we we're constantly on the go, go, go as school leaders. And we are putting out one fire after the next. And we seldom take the time for ourselves. And in a way, sometimes we think, oh, it's selfish of us. I shouldn't step away. But you need to care for yourself before you can care for others. It's like a basic principle, right? I, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think the whole synod process is about listening, but also in a prayerful sense, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why the talking stick is a cross, right? Mm -hmm. A crucifix. But that listening in 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 a prayerful sense, um, it takes 
it takes time and it takes leadership that understands that faith is an integral part of their job, uh, mm -hmm. their ministry. And if that happens, I think a lot of other things will fall into place, particularly mm -hmm. when it comes to inclusion. And we all know school leaders who um, may have a protective mindset or a mindset that wants to uh, enclose or look inward versus ones who want to look outward. Uh, and there's a significant difference and parents see that and know that. And mm -hmm. Cardinal McElroy points to the divisions in our church today, which which witness that um, looking in, looking out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we got to that. That is I think that will be changed by um, the people of God and also quality uh, leadership. And by that, I mean leaders who have skills and faith integrated into those skills. Um, but that's. Uh, that's why we got to do re retreats and formation programs and um, mm -hmm. take care of those who are working in the schools. Mm -hmm. as, um, as Pope Francis said to someone who's when challenged about you should pray every day for 30 minutes. Well, I don't have time to do 30 minutes of prayer. Well, then you should do an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. One of my uh, favorite prayers was, um, I, can't remember, I think Greg Moyler, who you know, um, yes. he's a wonderful uh, former president of a, a Jesuit school in Milwaukee. Um, he's taught me a prayer that I thought was brilliant. He said, you know, I have somebody who told me once, I wake up in the morning and I make the sign of the cross and I live my day as a prayer. And at the end of the day, I make the sign of the cross and I've been praying all day. And in many ways, right, that's how we are constantly challenged to live out our faith and to be called to be, you know, disciples that are constantly bringing hope and ways to those that we're working with every day and in, in, in different spaces. And so how do we, you know, take that time of prayer, but how do we continue to challenge and put our faith into action and see that work also as very prayerful? That's very Ignatian, contemplative yeah. action, very, very Greg Moyler. But what I would challenge leaders, though, is that they need that 30 minutes of silence, too, mm -hmm. that, that, that the time to be completely mm -hmm. alone with God is critical and, and that's where i think we need to be supporting our school leaders that yes your life is a prayer but mm -hmm. it it'll be a better life if you can mm -hmm. spend 30 minutes alone and quiet um, mm -hmm. and not just doing spoken prayer but being completely silent mm -hmm. uh we've got a few minutes left here and melody uh, i want to shift catch you a little bit off guard here but since you brought this up earlier uh, for our listeners you may recall our episode with brent madden from arizona state uh friend of mine and fellow at the Aspen Institute. He's been doing some really interesting work around teaching models. And we have a massive crisis in our country of teacher shortages. Tom and I deal with it every day. We're getting calls from schools. Just yesterday, uh, mm -hmm. a friend of mine called, just had a teacher walk out mm -hmm. and had another president couldn't join a Zoom because the principal just walked out. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of it is need for spiritual formation as mm -hmm. we were talking about, but uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts. I know you listened to the mm -hmm. episode with Brent. Um, you're in schools all day. His thesis is, you know, we put a teacher in a box of 25 kids. Mm -hmm. They stay in that box all day. And that is just not a sustainable model. Mm -hmm. Your first day of teaching back at Nativity Jesuit mm -hmm. uh, was not that different from your last day teaching. Mm -hmm. right. And for someone to do that for 40 or 50 years, that that mm -hmm. doesn't seem sustainable. So mm -hmm. having 
listen to Brent's uh, podcast and mm -hmm. all the work you've done in schools and just be interested in your reaction to some of his ideas and mm -hmm. your thoughts on the teaching profession, mm -hmm. the shortage we're facing and, and how do we, yeah. how do we improve the situation? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that our Catholic schools are even more acutely being felt by this given, you know, compensation and people's draw to other systems that can, you know, provide a different livelihood for them. So as an example, I was in a school um, in Lawrence yesterday in Massachusetts, a predominantly um, Hispanic community. And I was with a fourth grade class that had, a, this was their fourth teacher this year. And the w woman was barely holding on to a, like a, you know, um, and so like it really has, we cannot have this kind of constant turnover, this rotating door with children deserve so much more. And how do we really professionalize our, uh, this uh, practice, teaching practice? And also how do we bring balance in a way where people feel they can kind of bring their, their full selves to work, where they can have a different, you know, workday balance, a workflow balance? How do we leverage technology in ways? And I think we're not thinking innovatively enough in our Catholic schools or broadly in the education profession. And so I really think about, um, you know, I mean, look at what's happened in this business, right? So many people working in this hybrid form or I go in two days, I'm working remotely three days a week. Um, I feel like we have enough uh, uh, like human capital to be able to figure out a system where people could have that one day a month if it was to retreat, to quiet themselves and have the coverage and build it in. I mean, I think that's one of the brilliant things about the Cristo Ray model, right, is the students yeah. are out in the workforce one day a yeah. week to really learn about those life skills and make those connections and network. And I think we haven't, we've been very like myopic in our thinking about how schooling has to be. I mean, I think again, too, I know you're seeing it and this is where I think people are looking to technology as a solution. Um, if I can hire a like a, a outfit like Catholic virtual to support students in a given class, instead of having to put in place a teacher who's never taught a given subject area and help to really more so facilitate the learning, pull people around in small groups. Why are we not kind of doing that type of um, instruction? And, and I would say that my time at Nativity, actually the first day was very traditional, right? I mean, we were teaching spelling and kind of, you know, had our 45 minute religion class, all that kind of stuff, but we did implement a blended learning um, program. And it was fascinating to see how, we became masters and managers of learning in a way, instead of having to be that sage on the stage, right? We yep. really helped to really bring children's learning in that individualized way to life. And I think we've got to be now thinking about how do we um, really rethink uh, the teaching profession in a way that brings that balance, which is so needed. Because um, it can't be, and we also can't, you know, the, the school year, we're not an agricultural society anymore where we need this three-month summer off. Um, so we've got to be think rethinking the school academic year in addition to kind of the, the profession itself. So yes, there are a lot of, I think, yeah. brainstorming sessions that need to be happening to um, to make us relevant and to make the learning rigorous for children in a way that will really help them meet those outcomes. Um, yeah. I mean, Melody, that I think the tools, resources, and examples are out there. Mm -hmm. um, it's up to, in, in some sense, it's up to school leadership to make sure that the the way students learn and are instructed progresses and grows over time, which is what you did at Nativity. Mm -hmm. um, but it does require leadership to 
look to others to seek out best practices and to be open to different ways. I know I learned a ton just in working with Rob and we just took some time to brainstorm. So what what do we ask a teacher to do in a Catholic school? Let's list all the things that we, we ask them to do. And it was a heck of a long list. This We're not just talking about traditional teacher, but all the other stuff that we ask the teacher to do and expect from a teacher. And you, you can argue that's part of why we have a teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. So then you go in and say, well, what other resources can be brought to bear, either through technology in our case or in other ways mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to, um, to help the, the work of a teacher um, in a Catholic school be, be more fruitful uh, for them as a teacher uh, mm-hmm. and, and also for their students, particularly when in a Catholic school, we are asking that teacher to be a witness, a witness to faith. Mm-hmm. And I know with my kids, to the extent that I'm a teacher of my own children, when I'm completely frazzled, I'm a lousy teacher and witness, right? It's as simple as that. That's not rocket mm-hmm. science. So um, I, mm-hmm. I think there's, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, but it's difficult work at the same time. Yeah. yeah, we're a little bit risk averse, you know, as a system. And so I think being able to think in that way where, you know, it might be bookending a day where somebody comes in on a you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Monday they have off and they work from home. Like, and then there can be a, somebody else who does that on a Friday. Like we really aren't thinking about that balance. And I think to your point earlier, uh, Rob, of, you know, that spiritual kind of renewal and recharge and requiring that is something that could really then help them be a better faith guide in the classroom and not just send up a prayer of like, oh, God, help me, but like seeing God as yeah. part of this opportunity to kind of restore where one is uh, maybe feeling uh, the stress and not then yeah. feel like I'm heading for the door, but I'm heading more so internally to be able to find that kind of peace and, and understanding. Absolutely. Well, Melody, um, Thank you so much. I, I, again, love that you're coming to us from the Library of Nativity, Boston. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think this is our first guest coming to us live from a school library. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. After three seasons, we uh, we have an old friend coming from the library. So I love it. But as a listener of uh, the next class, you oh. have probably anticipated our final question, which we ask all of our guests. Mm-hmm. And who is your favorite teacher and why? Yeah, this is a really uh, challenging question. And I know that there are a number of individuals that I could um, kind of uh, give a shout out to and, and, and know of my gratitude for. But I would say, you know, and when I think about a really strong teacher, it's someone who not only inspires you to kind of want to learn more about a given thing, so go deeper um, in a given area, but then also kind of think a little bit about how you really live out your life in a way to kind of hopefully bring about um, good goodness in the world, right? And so I actually thought about a freshman in my, my freshman year at Divine Savior Holy Angels, where I was in all girls high school. Um, Mrs. Weiss was my homeroom teacher and she was our social studies teacher. And I think another thing that she did so well was she, um, not only did she inspire us to kind of think about how we are active in service and giving um, back to others, but she also created that community, that sense of community in the classroom where these young women that I was in class with really bonded together. So she created that safe space for us to be who we were and really helped to build our own confidence as young women. 
And so I think we need more women like uh, teachers like Mrs. Weiss who can inspire others to kind of hopefully go forth and set the world on fire and um, do whatever it is that God is so calling us to do. So that's who I'm going to give a little shout out to today. Excellent. That's That's wonderful. Melody, thank you again for joining the next class. Thank for you. For our listeners, thank you. if you like this episode, uh, give us five stars, share it with your friends and family, and we look forward to seeing you on the next class soon.